appreciate it. Water. Thank you, brother. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, Genesis chapter number 45, if you don't mind turning there with us, if you have your Bibles, I hope you have your Bibles with us. Amen. And we're going to try to give you some thoughts here, if you would pray for us as we preach this morning. I appreciate the opportunity to preach. Amen. And uh, thank the Lord for that. Appreciate Brother Bell. Amen. And the Sooner Rose Baptist Church for putting on the meeting. Amen. Appreciate the nice place to stay. I told Brother Bell. That's a nice place, amen, and I appreciate it, and thank the Lord for it, amen, and thank the church for it, and the good food, amen, had good food last night, and I'm sure we will today as well, I always do around here, amen, and I uh, thank the Lord for it, amen. Um, I appreciate uh, some of our members from Pollard being here with us, amen, and I uh, drove up to be with us here in the meeting, and that's a, always a blessing, amen, it's a, it's a good little ways, but we thank the Lord for it, amen. And so if you would pray for us there, also uh, if you would pray for um, Brother Larry and Sister uh, Ann's son, uh, Kevin had a stroke, they said, and uh, last week, and then they think he might have had another one last night, and so if you would really pray for him, they'd be able to help him. He's got a blockage in his artery, and I think they said 97% block, and they said they can't really do anything unless it's life or death, they don't really want to touch it, and so if you would pray for him there, the Lord would help him, his name's Kevin. Amen, Lord, would help him in that, all right? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and you pray for us as we preach here this morning that the Lord would help us. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to stand and preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that, Lord, with the uh, unction of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that you would uh, move in the, our midst this morning. Lord, we're nothing without you, and we can do nothing. Lord, I pray that you would help us to say the things that be a help to the people. Lord, I pray for those that are suffering, those that uh, have health issues. And then, Lord, we especially pray for Brother Kevin there. Lord, you touch him and touch the doctors and uh, help them to be able to help him. But even if they, even when the doctors can't help, Lord, we know that you can. And, Lord, we pray that you would do uh, what only you can do. Lord, I pray you would help us, uh, those that are here this morning that are lost. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart. Lord, I pray that you would help in our churches, Lord, that we would uh, be what you'd have for us too and be lights in our communities, that others may, may see you in, uh, in our lives and then also and in the services of the house of God, Lord, I pray. And Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning as we try to preach your word, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Genesis chapter number 45, I struggled with where to take my text this morning because I'd like to read about... Six chapters, but we won't do that, amen. Uh, but anyway, Genesis chapter number 45, verse number 1. Uh, the Bible says here, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard, and Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph, doth not my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. You remember when that was you, when the Lord made himself known unto you, and you were troubled at his presence. Amen. But notice, we uh, remember that what we're reading here, of course, is Joseph, uh, uh, the story of Joseph and uh, Joseph is, has been sold by his brothers into slavery, into Egypt. And uh, before that, his father gave him a coat of many colors. Uh, I believe that symbolized his role as the head of the brothers, as a role of leadership over his brothers, and they rejected his leadership. And not only did he give him a coat of many colors, but it's evidenced by the fact that jo Jacob sent Joseph to go and check up on his brothers and make sure they were doing what they were sent to do. So it shows that he had authority over the brothers. And so they rejected that authority. They hated him, not because of who he was, but because of his father and that his father had chosen him over them. They felt like they should have that role. And so they, they were angry at him. Amen. And um, they, they rejected him, and the same thing happened when Christ came. He was rejected of us. We rejected him, amen, and we spit upon him and we mocked him. 
just like they did with Joseph. Now Joseph, of course, we know the story. He goes down into, um, into Egypt, is bought by Potiphar, the captain of the guard. Amen. We can see so many things in the life of Joseph that is a help to us. Even when Joseph is sold into slavery, he could have been anywhere and God put him. I believe the captain of the guard was, we might would say, the secret service of our day. He, had, he kept the king's prisoners. He protected the king. I don't know what Joseph came in contact with, but I believe that he had some contact with the leaders of the nation at that point, even as a slave boy. Amen. God was preparing him for one day. And we can see that in our lives if we pay attention. Amen. See God's hand through even in, even in slavery, even in the hard times. Amen. We can see God. And, and so, of course, Potiphar's wife lied upon him. He got thrown into prison. And the Bible calls Potiphar the captain of the guard. The Bible calls the keeper of the prison the captain of the guard. I believe that's the same man. It may not have been. I believe that's the same man. And Potiphar promoted him into prison. And then, uh, of course, Pharaoh dreamed a dream. You know the story. And Joseph is promoted. And then the famine comes. And the brethren, uh, here we, this is the second time that the brethren have come to buy food. The first time they came, and Joseph kept Simeon, wasn't it? Joseph kept Simeon in prison and told him, you're not coming back unless you bring Benjamin with you. And you have to bring Benjamin with you. And they go back home. They've got a bunch of food. And we're okay. Who cares about Simeon? We'll wait on him. We're going to stay, and, and they stayed until they were about to die. They waited, they, they drugged that, that food out until they could go no more because they didn't want to have to meet Joseph again. Amen. That's where we are. Amen. We don't want to, we don't want to confront our sin again. We don't want to confront uh, God. Amen. We don't want God to confront us. Be more like it. And so they come back this second time, and Judah is able to convince his father to let Benjamin come with them. So they come down. Uh, Jacob was not real happy about that, but they come down. They had to. They were out of food. And so they come, and they stand before Joseph, and Joseph gives them the food, but he, puts his, he instructs his servant, to put, his steward, to put his cup in the sack of Benjamin. And I know you all know this. But he, he instructed them to do that, and they left, and the, the Bible tells us Joseph sent his steward back to, jo, to, to Joseph's brothers and confront them about stealing the cup. Now, I believe, I believe we can see a sign of conviction here in this, in this situation, in, jo, in this story. And that is, Joseph sent his steward down and said, Y'all stole my cup. Now, these brothers look around, and every one of them are wicked besides Benjamin, it looks like. They, they all have all kinds of sin in their life and they know each one of them is wicked. I know you're wicked, you know I'm wicked, everybody knows everybody's wicked, nobody trusts anybody. And yet, here comes this man says, one of y'all stole my cup. And they all said, no, we didn't do it. But I imagine Gad is thinking it might have been Asher. Right? And so that we're, not, we're not so sure, but somebody's got the cup and we're going to claim nobody's got it, but we... And so they start, the steward starts the oldest, and he's probably the most likely to steal the cup. Right? He slept with his father's concubine. He's probably pretty likely to steal the cup, too. Amen. And then, but it's not in Reuben's sack. So then they go down uh, Simeon, and then, and then Levi, and then Judah, and then Gad, and they keep on going down the line. And I believe these boys that they knew, I didn't, every one of them knew I did not steal this cup. But somebody did. But now they're getting to think, this steward's. Crazy. By the time we get down to Benjamin, ben, everybody there knows Benjamin didn't steal the cup. So they're all getting more boastful. I didn't, we didn't do it. We told you we didn't. But then they find it in Benjamin's sack. Now here's the thing. They come back and they stand before Joseph. And this is chapter 44. Judah, when they're standing before Joseph, here's what they are standing before Joseph for. They're standing there accused of doing something that they did not do. None of them were guilty of that cup. Yet, Joseph was accusing them of that. Now, God, God was using this. We understand that. But they, they could have bowed up and said, we didn't do this. We're, we've been guilty of a lot of things. We're not guilty of this. But Judah said, God has found out the iniquity of my heart. Amen. How many times when we're going through something, we just think, man, why did I deserve this? I heard somebody, I don't remember, I think it was at, at Mississippi the other day, 
Somebody was talking about how that we think so highly of ourselves. When something good happens to us, we're saying, man, I deserve that. God's good. He blessed me with something like that. That's good. Amen. When something bad happens, why me, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? And yet it should be when something good happens, we should say, why, why did I deserve this? I don't deserve this. When something bad happens, we should say, Lord, that's exactly what I deserve. Amen. But these boys, they, uh, jo- Judah realized that this is not Joseph trying to pull something over on us. We might not be guilty in this, but we're guilty of so much before God. And Judah confessed his sin before Joseph, not knowing that Joseph was Joseph. Amen. And after these boys confessed their sin, that's when Joseph revealed who he was to them. Amen. I, I appreciate the messages last night. Amen. And some good messages on holiness. Amen. And the glory of God. And these, these boys, uh, it was mentioned about salvation. It's, it's right. You don't get saved anytime you want to, but you do get saved when you want to. Amen. Uh, you, don't, you won't get saved until you do want to. Amen. I believe that's what Brother Bryant said, and that's right. Amen. You won't get saved until you won't get saved in rebellion against God's word either. Somebody come and say, "I want to, I want to get saved, but I don't want to give up this or that, or I don't want to do this. I don't want to stand up in front of everybody." Well, uh, this is okay. It's not bad not to want to do that, but you better do it. Amen. I believe if you're saved, it'll, it'll change you want to a little bit. Amen. It'll change a whole lot of things. And so these boys, they repented of their sin. And that's when they, were, they, they understood who Joseph was. And so now they're standing before Joseph. Joseph said, I am Joseph. We just read that. And then in uh, uh, verse, uh, ver- that they, they were afraid. That, what does it say? That, that, in verse number 3, they were troubled at his presence. Amen. They were troubled. The reason is because they understand who he is. Not only is he Joseph, he's the prime minister of Israel. I mean, of Egypt. He has all power in Egypt. And they know that we, they just admitted what they had done to him. They know what, what should be done to them because of that. What he has the power to do and what would be right for him to do in this situation. And so they were troubled at his presence. But notice what happens when we get troubled at the presence of God. Verse number 4, And Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me. Amen. When we, when, when we expect God to say, get away from me, God says, come near unto me. Amen. I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years... Uh, We'd do good to take some lessons from Joseph about how that we perceive things. Amen. Joseph never blamed his brothers, although he said, you did it. He said, God was using that. God, God was the one behind all that. God knew what was best. Amen. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Amen. These boys had done, this is the second time they come. Twice they've had to admit they could not survive without Joseph. They don't know how long the famine's going to be. If they'd have known it was still five more years, they'd have come months ago probably because they... They was trying to stretch it out as far as they could go, hoping that the famine's about over. But no, Joseph knew it was going to be five years. They, they went as far as they could go, and Joseph said, you ain't even went halfway yet. Amen. When we go as far as we can go in our flesh, we'll find out there's a lot more to go. Amen. We need the Lord's help. Amen. Verse number 7, God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And God hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down, come down unto me, tarry not. You notice that? 
First thing after he said, come near unto me, they came near unto him. And he told them about the deliverance that God hath given to them. And he said, the first thing I want you to do is go. Tell somebody else. Yes. Amen. Tell, uh, uh, look at what he says. Go to my father and say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph. What do we have to tell the world? This is what the son says. Yes. Amen. We got the word of God to give to That's what they need. Amen. Amen. Verse number 10, And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes shall see, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. He's not using an interpreter now. Amen. Verse number 13, And ye shall tell my father... And it goes back to what Brother Bryant was preaching on last night. You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. Amen. And of all that ye have seen. And you shall haste and bring down my father hither. Amen. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after, all, after that, his brethren talked with him. Amen. Now, Lord willing, we're going to preach from this and some other scriptures here for just a little while. But I, I want to I think about this and think about all, all that's happening here. We've, we've already made mentioned several things that's happened in these verses and in previous verses. But all of this is happening, we remember, in the middle of a famine. In the worst time of, of history up till then as far as food goes, Amen. People are not able to survive. The people all around the world are in famine. People from all around the world that know about the food that's in Egypt are coming to Egypt to buy from Joseph. Amen. Now there's a large amount of people in the world that don't know about the food in Egypt. But the ones that do know are going to Egypt to buy corn. Amen. To buy food. There's a lot of people today that don't know about the gospel and it's our job to get it to them. Amen. Amen. But uh, there, there are, there are. We have a responsibility here. But I, I, this is in the middle of a famine, in, in the worst time. Amen. And uh, so I want to preach for a little while this morning on being fruitful in the famine. Amen. Being fruitful in the famine. How that we should prosper. And uh, let me ask you: How many people here are, came in the building this morning on cloud nine? I mean, you got all your family saved. Everything's going well. You got money in the bank, and uh, all your cars paid for, all your house paid for. Amen. And uh, you got the fa- your favorite president. All everything's just going great today. Oh my, my, my. Amen. I, yeah. And there's no, none of us can say that, right? Now I think we should be. Uh, we should have joy because that's not dependent upon the circuit. Not dependent on the White House. Not dependent on. Uh, the Congress is not dependent upon the, the financial markets, amen. It's not dependent on any of that, uh, amen. But I, I don't think any of us can say this is a prosperous time. We're talking about uh, as far as the gospel is concerned. We have the gospel, but very few people are preaching the gospel and very few people are saved today, amen, amen. Now, here, here, here's, here's the thing. All of this is taking place in the middle of the famine, and yet they are fruitful. And we're going to see some of this here this morning. But I think about this. I've been preaching on Sunday nights there at Pondered about the life of Joseph, and I've noticed going through these, these chapters here in Genesis that the life of Joseph, a lot of these stories, they're not, just, they're not make-believe stories, we understand. It's a historical account. It's a true account. Amen. But these... Uh, these accounts are not all about Joseph. Amen. Joseph's not even mentioned in some of the chapters. It goes from talking about Joseph being sold into, into slavery to Judah and his sin. And then it goes on to Jacob. And a lot of it's talking about Jacob. Amen. And can I say this? Of course, we understand the, uh, the, the typology. Of course, Joseph is a good type of Christ. One of the best types of Christ as far as in an individual in the Old Testament. Amen. And um, so this whole Bible is about Jesus. Now there's some parts of it that Jesus is not mentioned. Some, a lot of it, especially in the Old Testament, is talking about the Father. 
not really talking about the sun, but it's, talk, it's still talking about the sun. Amen. The sun's there. It's just you have to dig for it. Amen. To find it in there. Amen. But it's all talking about, even whenever it's talking about the brothers, us, or the others, it's really talking about Jesus. Amen. It's telling us about Him. Amen. And in your life, I'm sure there's a chapter in your life, the first chapter in your life, that don't have anything to do with Jesus. Amen. If you, if you can't see that, then you probably, your whole book of your life has nothing to do about Jesus. Amen. There must be a time when Jesus comes into your life. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, here we see, I want to see just a few things here about this, uh, this fruitfulness in famine. I see, first of all, I want to look at a happy reconciliation. We already talked about that. Some being reconciled to Joseph. Amen. These brothers was, at en- was enemies with Joseph. Not of Joseph's choosing, but of their choosing. They chose to be against because they did not like what he stood for. They did not like who he was, what he did, the authority that he had, the, 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 the position that he had in, God, in the family, in God's economy. They didn't like that. But there come a time when they didn't have any choice, but they had to come stand before Joseph. And whatever he said, that's what they had to do. They didn't have a choice. Amen. Um, now, we understand that man does have a choice in what is he going to do with Jesus. But the Bible says, Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. Now, it'll be too late then, but every knee's going to. Amen. There's coming a day when we're going to either be reconciled to God or we're going to be judged by God. We're going to be distanced from God. I believe that is... That's what makes hell what it is. That's, is the separation from God. There's no hope. Amen. Amen. Now here, again, we see several things. I want to look at, look at this. We understand the, uh, Romans 5, 8, but God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, amen, Christ died for us. Now we see here after the reconciliation, or part of the reconciliation, because of the reconciliation, we see some things that Joseph gave to these boys. We see some new provisions. Look in verse number 16. We left off there. And the fame thereof was heard in Joseph's house, and Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye laid your beast. And go and get you into the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households and come unto me and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt. And ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded this do ye. Take ye wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff. Amen. For the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so. Amen. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. Amen. He goes on talking about what he gave to the father. Amen. But we see here he gave these boys some donkeys to go get their stuff or to go get their family, not their stuff, their families. And I believe there's a, there's a point there that our, our attention, our desire, our focus should not be on stuff, but on getting the people that God sent for us to go get. Amen. Then he gave them the land, the, the, the land of Goshen. It was choice land. It was land that was separate from the people of Israel. I mean, of Egypt, land that the Egyptians would not go to because of the... the cows and the sheep and all of that that was there is an abomination to them and so they stayed away from there. Amen. And then he gave them wagons. I believe this was Pharaoh's wagons. They, they, they didn't look like the wagons that these boys brought into Egypt. Amen. If they had any. Didn't look like any that they had back home. Amen. He gave them food for the journey. He gave them clothes. And it's interesting to me. I won't take the time to go through this. I'm trying to hurry. But clothing in the story of Joseph. We find Joseph is uh, given a coat of many colors. The first thing about the, the book of, or the, the story of Joseph is about his clothes. Right. Amen. And then we find in uh, verse number 29 of chapter 37 how that 
Reuben came, it wasn't Reuben that came and, uh, yes, rent his clothes because he found that Joseph was not in the pit. He had, of course, an ulterior motive. He wanted to bring Joseph back to his father and say, look at what these boys are trying to do to your son, and I saved them. Amen. I believe that was his motive. Verse number 31 and 32, we see, or 33, we see those brothers took that coat of many colors and tore the coat, making out like it was a, a beast had slain them. And then in verse number 34, Jacob tears his own clothes, rent his own clothes in distress. In chapter 39, we find Potiphar's wife taking the coat off of Joseph's back. Somebody said Joseph lost his coat, but he kept his character. Yeah. Amen. And then in verse, chapter 41, we find Joseph coming out of prison and they gave him a change of raiment. I don't know what they put on him, but they took off the prison garb. Even while he's in prison, he's a slave. They took off the slave garments. Amen. They put something else on that make him presentable to go stand before Pharaoh. Amen. I believe this. I, I, don't, I don't believe you have to wear a suit and tie to go to the house of God, but I do believe that we ought to dress up. Amen. We ought, we ought to take some time to, uh, to look presentable to the king. Amen. Well, that's who we're standing before. Amen. And then uh, in, in verse number 42 of chapter 41, we find that Pharaoh promotes Joseph, gives him a ring, gives him all these things, and gave him a robe. Amen. It's a royal robe. So we're thinking about the clothing in this. I think clothing means something in the Scripture. Find the first time clothing's mentioned, Adam and Eve sins. And the Bible talks about they were naked. They were ashamed. They were in their shame. So the fact that without clothes, you should be ashamed. Amen. So there's, when there's no clothes, there is shame. But when there is clothes, God covers the shame. Amen. I believe there's a sign there of, uh, of, uh, of reconciliation and of cleansing, amen. We see uh, uh, redemption, amen, in the garden. God took that animal and He killed the animal, I believe. I don't believe He just skint the animal and left them running around without any wool, amen, and any skin. I, I believe He killed the lamb or whatever it was. I believe it was a lamb because of the sy- symbolicness of that, but it, it doesn't tell us. But anyway, He killed the lamb and skint the lamb and used that so now that lamb is, the innocent is in shame. Why should the innocent be ashamed? Amen. But he is. But he took, he took amen, that skin off of that animal that was innocent and put it on the guilty and covered their shame. That's what Christ did for us. Amen. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took all of that on himself. Amen. And he covered us. Amen. I believe that the removal of clothing, the, the renting of clothing, and of course in the Scriptures is a type or a symbol of despair and pain and grief. We see that, of course, Reuben rent his clothes. I mentioned Jacob rent his clothes. The brothers rent their clothes when they found the cup in Benjamin's sack. Amen. So providing new clothes that are not torn, that are whole, amen, is saying there's no more despair. There's no more pain. Amen. There's no more sorrow. Your despair is over. Amen. Because you've been reconciled to Joseph. Amen. I thank the Lord for it. We find there's new provisions. There's a new place. We mentioned that Goshen. A separate place. Amen. I believe that God... God's going to take this family of 70 people and make a nation. They say probably millions come out of Egypt. A whole lot of people. That is going to prosper. That's what I'm talking about. Prospering in the famine. Now all those 400 and some years was not famine. But they were for the people of God. They were in slavery. This was not prosperous times for them as far as the world's looking at. But yet God's prospering them in the midst of the famine. Amen. That's what He can do for you as well. But... He put them in this place and the purpose was He told them don't marry the Egyptians. Don't do business with the Egyptians. You just stay right here in this little place, this little haven that I've prepared for you. Amen. And you're, the, the extent that you will prosper spiritually is the, extent, is the same extent that you will separate yourself from the world. 
A Christian that don't want to be separate from the world will not prosper spiritually. Amen. You might prosper physically. At the end of the day, if we've got all nice vehicles and a good 401k and all of these things, and our children die and go to hell, what do we have? Amen. Our goal should be to prosper spiritually. Amen. And there, he gave them all the goods of the land. There's, there's, there's goodness from God as well. Amen. But God wants us to be separate from the world. God gave them favor to, among the Egyptians, but He kept them separate from them. Amen. Now, there, there's nothing they're going to need in the land of Goshen that Joseph does not provide for them. Amen. Look at verse number 4. He says, so he sent his brothers, 24, excuse me. So he sent his brethren away and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. And see that there's, a, there's something that's important here. I believe that there's, there's a, something that's important in this verse. We, we have to be careful that the Bible teaches we should be in unity. We're one body. Amen. We're not, we're not in unity with the world. He told them to be in unity with the brethren. Amen. Amen. We have to be careful because there's some things that will pop up that will try to get us out of sorts. And we have to be careful to try to keep the unity. Amen. Among the brethren, there must be unity. I believe one of the reasons maybe he told them this, look what he told them to do. Uh, he told them to uh, tell his, their father all, all about Joseph, all that Joseph told them. They were to tell the words of Joseph, the, we can say the words of God. They were to tell about the glory that Joseph has, but uh, that brings me to my second point, not just the, the happy reconciliation, but an honest report that they have to give. Amen. Amen. Verse, verse number 25, And they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan and the jo- Jacob their father, and they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted because he believed them not. Now, let me say this. This honest report, the reason why this is important is because these brothers have come and they've wept on the neck of Joseph. They have been accepted by Joseph because they repented of their sin. They've been accepted of him and they have a happy reconciliation, but now Joseph tells them, you got to go back and tell daddy that I'm alive. Now that's good news to Jacob. That's good news to these brothers. But it's not good news for me to have to tell daddy that I've been lying to him for 22 years. Everything I've told him for the last 22 years has been false. Amen. In order for them to tell Jacob the good news about Joseph, they'd tell them the bad news about me. Amen. We had, uh, somebody said the good news is not good news unless there's bad news. Amen. We, we, we go out and tell the good news of the gospel, but if we don't include the part about our sin, amen, what good is it going to do? You won't find one place. I understand, but you won't find one place in the Scriptures where God, Christ ever asked anybody or any disciple or apostle or preacher ever asked anybody, do you want to go to heaven when you die? I understand that's maybe a good way to, to start a conversation but the conversation in the Bible about salvation is never about heaven and hell. It's about sin and your separation from God. There has to be bad news before there can be any, before the good news is worth anything. There has to be a condemnation before a pardon is welcome. Amen. So there has to be an honest report. The Bible says Jacob believed them not. They had to convince, they had to persuade Jacob. Now, this is not something that is done entirely of their own doing. Look what the Bible says. And they told him, um, verse number 27, they told him all the words of Joseph. Amen. There we go again, talking about the words of the son. Amen. Which he had said unto them when he saw, and, and, and look at this, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived, and Israel said, Amen. The prince with God said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive, and I will go and see him before I die. Amen. You know, if we're going to go tell somebody, and they're going to, the, the, the first thing they're going to do is reject what we have to say. 
Very few people just, oh yeah, that sounds good. If they do, you're probably not giving the truth. Most people don't accept the truth just that quickly. Amen. Amen. But they didn't just convince them with their words. No, they told them Joseph's word. And there was something more. They saw the wagons. That was something sent by Joseph. Actually, Pharaoh gave it to Joseph so that he could give to them. Amen. There's some things. Listen, it's not just me and, me and you that's doing the job. There's a Holy Ghost that has to be involved. Amen. To convince the sinner that is lost. Amen. And Jacob, here's the thing. The sinners know about me and you. They know, right, I've seen him do this, or I know about... Now, one of the best testimonies, we can, one of the best witnesses we can have, that's why we call it that, is when somebody gets saved and all their friends see the drastic change that happens in their life. They don't have to tell them, listen, I got saved. No, they, they know something happened. Yes, Amen, yes. they know that. But what they'll probably do is they'll go back to when you was lost. I remember when you used to drink with me over here. I mean, when you used to do, Jacob didn't have any trouble remembering what these boys were. That's what he was focused on the whole time. Amen. Now, the, these, there was an honest report. There was a hardened response. That's what we're talking about here. He, Jacob did not trust his sons because they have no trustability. They have no credibility. They spent the last 22 years not... I don't believe Jacob believed his sons when they told him about the... The, the, the animal killing the son. He told him in chapter 44, I believe it is, is not 44, where he's told him about the, they was trying to take Benjamin. I don't know. I, I ain't got time to look it up. But they were trying to take Benjamin and uh, he told him, uh, Joseph, have you bereaved of me? Uh, have ye bereaved? You're the reason Joseph's gone, not because of some lion or some animal, you're the reason that Joseph's gone. You're the reason Simeon's gone, and now you want to take Benjamin too? Amen. What about Reuben? Reuben said, if you let me take Benjamin, I, I, if I don't bring him back, you can kill my two sons. That's very generous of him. Amen. But the thing is, he's there when they take Simeon, and he's the older brother, and he doesn't say anything about it. As long as he's not taking Reuben, I'm okay with that. As long as I get to go home. Amen. I'm telling you, these boys were wicked boys. Jacob knew that. The whole time he knew that they had been lying to him. And can I say this, especially the children, but even us adults as well, most of the time your parents may not know everything that you do, but they know whenever something's not right. Amen. They understand whenever you are lying, amen, and they're not telling the whole truth. Amen. They know that. He I believe, it looks like in the last 22 years, he didn't believe the brother's story, but he did believe that Joseph's dead. He believed that. And there's no hope of seeing Joseph anymore. Now, the problem is, he knew about the dreams that Joseph had dreamed. And yet, it doesn't look like he really believed God in that. He may have at first, but well, maybe God was not able to do what he had planned to do. Maybe that was his thought. I don't know, but... We understand that now he has to, in order to believe that Joseph is alive, he has to believe that he is resurrected because he's dead. Abraham's believed by faith, he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's what Hebrews 11 says about Abraham. I don't see that Jacob had that much faith at first anyway, but he, he got there, amen. And he did. He didn't believe, maybe, maybe he didn't believe the brothers because they lied to him so much. Maybe he didn't believe um, the truth because he believed the lie for so long. Amen. That's the way we are today. We believe the lie for so long, it's hard to believe the truth. Amen. Maybe he didn't believe because their report was just too good to be true. He couldn't imagine that Joseph would still be alive. Amen. And that's the, that's the gospel. The gospel does seem too good to be true when you tell it to a lost sinner, amen. But it is true, amen. Maybe Jacob didn't believe it because he was of the nature to just always believe the worst. Never believe the best, always believe the worst. As we said, 
uh, chapter 43, that's what I was looking for. Chapter 43, I had it written down. 43, 14. I believe that's right. Yes. This is not exactly, but this is, this is what he's saying. Verse number 14, And God Almighty, get, this is the last words that Jacob said to these boys before they went and found Joseph. God Almighty, give you mercy before the man. That's a good prayer. Amen. God Almighty, give you mercy before the man that he may send away your older brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. The last words he said to these boys was, Okay, I'm going to pray that you have mercy, but I don't think you will. I'm just already going to grieve over losing Benjamin and Simeon. And that was his attitude. I'm just going to believe the worst unless something else happens. As far as Jacob is concerned, Joseph is dead. I believe he thinks Simeon is dead. And now, might as well believe Benjamin's going to die. They're taking him from me too. Amen. Can I say this? We can continue to believe the worst, or we can focus on the truth. We got a lot of people today that are defeated because they believe the worst things that they hear. We can't, we can't believe the news, and I understand that. We can't. It'd be better just to shut that off. Amen. No matter where you listen to your news. Amen. What they're doing in Ukraine, I understand that's important and, and all of that to some degree, and it may affect us more than what we want it to. But it's not going to affect us nearly as much as what this Bible says is going to affect us. We better be more, more focused on this, and we have the good news. Amen. But, but we, 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 we don't believe the news except for the bad part. Everything they say on that is bad. We believe it. Amen. We believe that everything's falling apart. And if you look at the world, it is. Amen. But if you look up, amen, Brother Mitchell says, if you look up, it looks pretty good. Amen. Amen. All right. You can believe the worst, or you can just choose to believe God. Amen. There's this, the response and then I see the hardened response. I see the hardening, hardening uh, revelation. The words of Joseph revived him. I won't, I won't deal with that again because I already have. The words of Joseph is what is going to revive the, 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 the sinner. I believe as he heard these words of Joseph, they're telling him all that Joseph said. I believe Jacob's thinking, you know, that sounds like Joseph. I believe I could hear him saying that. Amen. And he knew that this was Joseph's words. Joseph, look, look what Joseph said. This is what Joseph said. He said, God did send me before you to preserve life. He said, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. I believe when they told that to Jacob, Jacob said, that sounds like something Joseph would say. He's not blaming these brothers. He's saying this is God all along. Amen. And then we see that not only the words of Joseph, but the wagons from Joseph. Amen. It's easy for us to get caught up in disbelief. We want to look at what's negative, but I think we ought to take our eyes off the famine and just look at the Father. Amen. We'd, be, we'd get some help. Amen. And I, I see here that Joseph, in verse number 28, Joseph said, or Jacob said, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go see him before I die. There's a resolve here, a hopeful resolve. Amen. Amen. Now, we're guilty being just like Jacob is. Just believing the worst, listening to the worst, filling our minds with the worst, what's going on around us. And instead of focusing on the Father, amen, we're looking at everything that's going wrong, and it is going wrong, as I said, but not in the heavenly world, amen. Things are going right on schedule with God. Amen. Now, let me look at the result. If you will, look with me in chapter 47. Chapter 47. We don't, well, I'm not going to take the time to read all this. We're going to, uh, we're just going to look at some here. If you, if, if you wanted to, you could read down from verse number uh, 12. No, verse number 13. Let's look at verse number 10. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh and Joseph placed his father and his brethren, gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's house with bread, according to their families. 
And there was no bread in all the land. But the children of Israel had bread. They had all they wanted. Amen. Now, um, let me say this. All this, the land, all these provisions was actually from Pharaoh. Pharaoh commanded to give them. But you know why? Pharaoh never gave them one thing based on these brothers. The only reason Pharaoh gave them anything was based on Joseph. His relation to Joseph. His love for Joseph caused him to give all these brothers everything they had. Amen. Listen, we don't deserve anything that God ever gives us. The only reason we get anything is because of the Son. Amen. Amen. Now, here we see, if we would read on down, we'll not take the time, but you'll read on down and you see how the, the people of Egypt came to Joseph to buy corn. They came to Joseph to buy corn and they bought and they bought and they bought until they didn't have any money. And if you're trusting in money, it'll run out too. Then they sold their cattle, and then they sold their land, and then they sold themselves to Joseph. Now you've got to remember who Joseph is. They're going to the right person because we understand he's a type of Christ. But they wasn't going to Joseph because of Joseph. They were going to Joseph because he's the prime minister. He's the government. They went to the government, and they paid their taxes in order to get all of this stuff. Amen. What about us? Amen. Do we depend upon the government to provide our needs? This world does. That's their response. Well, if you have a problem, you just go to the government. The government will help us out. They'll send you a stimulus check. Amen. They'll send you whatever you need. Amen. That's one reason why we're in the mess that we're in today. Amen. But look down in verse number. So all of these, look in verse number 15. And when the money fell in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money fell. They said, We're going to die. They're always about to die and needed help. And they kept doing that over and over. And as for the people, in verse number 21, he removed them from cities, two cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even unto the other end. He moved them all around. Wherever he wanted to be close to the food, that's where he moved them. They were at his command because, and if, if the government provides for you too, they can control you as well. Amen. Let's, let's move on. Amen. Uh, verse number um, 23 says, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. I'm going down and uh, verse number 25, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Those, they're not talking about their souls being saved, their spirit being saved. They're talking about their flesh, their bodies being saved. Every person here owes your life to God. Whether you're saved or lost, you owe your life to God. But that's not enough. Amen. These sons of Jacob had a little bit different experience during the famine. Look in verse number 27. And Israel dwelt. I believe if you look through here, this is the first time that Israel is mentioned talking about the seed of Israel. Talking about the nation of Israel. I don't, I don't believe he's talking about the person Israel. Because look what it says, And Israel dwelt in the land of Goshen, I mean in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they, he's not talking about a he, he's talking about a they, and they had possessions therein. Everybody in Egypt had lost all of their possessions, even their own bodies they had lost. But the Bible says the children of Israel had possessions. They dwelt in the land of Egypt, had possessions therein, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. During the famine. Amen. Now how could they do that? I believe they did that because they relied upon Joseph. They had the right relationship with him. Can I tell you, in our day, again, I, I mentioned, well, let me say it this way. We are convinced that we're in the worst of times. And that God, even God can't help us in this time. We look around, we see all the evil religions, all the confused people, and we think there's no hope. Listen, the Hebrew children were here in, uh, in the land of Egypt for over 400 years, and the day they left Egypt, Egypt was worse than the day they got there. More wicked, more evil. They didn't change Egypt. 
Amen. And you're not going to change the world. But that's not the measure. What happened to the children of Israel while they was in Egypt? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not here because I decided to be here. God has placed us here in this world to serve Him. He's placed us in this evil place. He's placed us in the famine. He's the one that caused the famine, if we can say it that way. Amen. Because of wickedness, He caused the famine. And He is able to sustain us in the famine. Not, not just sustain it. They, they wasn't just sustained. They prospered. They grew. They multiplied exceedingly. They had possessions. And they grew. Amen. God wants us to be fruitful in the land and during the famine. Amen. I believe that. Don't you? I believe that God wants us to remain faithful where that He placed us. Amen. And we can look around at the world and we can see and we can get discouraged because the world is not changing. God didn't send us here to change the world. God sent us here to live holy life separate from the world. And if you look in the book of Exodus, you'll find out, I think it's Exodus, you'll find out that when they left the land of Egypt, there was a mixed multitude, not a mixed handful, a mixed multitude that followed them out of the land of Egypt. Egypt is still just as wicked, but there's a handful of people or, or a multitude of people that saw the people of Israel and said, I want part of that. I want something that they have. Now, God not only grew the children of Israel, but God helped some of the people of Egypt. Right. Amen. And if we will live a separate life to God and be holy in this world, as Brother Babcock preached last night, God can prosper us. I'm talking about we can see some growth. Amen. Not, that's not just talking about numbers. We can see some growth among the church. Amen. And see, as, as preachers, see some growth. Amen. In our lives and in our ministries. Amen. To see the, the work of the Lord go forward and prosper even during the famine. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it.